Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And welcome to the Chronicles of Nannia, a nanny resource podcast made for nannies by me, a nanny. This is your host, Martha Tyler. And this week, we are going to be talking about vocabulary naturally with Camille Blackowitz. Hello, Camille. Hello, Martha. I'm so delighted to be here and be able to talk to nannies, which is one of our target audiences. Oh, that's so wonderful to hear. I, I'm delighted that you're here as well. Um, this has been a, l- a little while in the making, and I'm, I'm so excited to have you. Um, before we get started talking about vocabulary specifically, um, I would love to hear your journey working with kids. Oh, my. Well, let's see. Well, I started teaching in elementary school straight out of college because I was an English major and I thought since I could read and write so well that I could teach kids to do it. And I found out pretty quickly that I could do it, but it was a half a year before I stopped crying every day after school when I went home. I don't know if nannies feel that after oh, yeah. they work all day long with their kids. Um, I found out I loved working with kids. I loved working with kids, especially ones that struggled. Um, mm-hmm. I went to Northeastern, which is, I believe your alma mater as well currently, yes. and got my master's degree in reading and language. And then I was a reading specialist for a while and a language specialist because reading specialists do writing and language as well. And then I received my doctorate at Northwestern and I taught at National Lewis University, which was then National College of Education for 40 years when I also directed the Reading Center for Kids with Difficulties. And now I'm co-director of the Reading Leadership Institute. We work with teachers who are already teaching and have some leadership role in 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 their schools for literacy. Yeah, and I'm a grand I'm a mother of two and I'm a grandmother of two. And part of our stimulation for writing our book was um, and my co-author, Shar Cobb, who I hope you will invite sometime to speak Um, between us. We have a lot of grandkids and we've watched this in our own children and in children we've worked with in schools, in preschools and in children, our own grandchildren. So it's a really personal book for us. Yeah, I can I can understand that. And that's really wonderful because I think that, um, well, we will talk about it (laughs) more, but those, those, you know, those early years are so important. And that's when a lot of nannies are in children's lives. And so I am excited to talk through some ways that nannies can help build little one's vocabulary and love of language and story and and all of that good stuff. Yeah, well, good for you because it's really critical and it starts, I mean, some people read to their kids in in utero and make sure they hear music and and we're not sure that, and that might have a really big effect. And uh, we know that for the very youngest kids that reading to kids and talking to them is really important. Would you like to know why we call it vocabulary naturally? Yes, please. Okay. Well, when you think about it, I want you to imagine this. Maybe this has happened to you. You've had a kid, a very, let's say a toddler of a year and a half. And that toddler is pulling on your leg, on your skirt or your pants or sitting in his or her high chair and saying something like, wawa, wawa, Mm -hmm. holding out, holding out his arms. And my question is, what is it that you do naturally when that happens? 
Now we know what you don't do, what's not natural. It's not natural to stop and say, water, say water, because we know a kid of that age, that's impossible. They right. learn language by approximation. They start with something that sort of sounds like the word and it becomes the word and they're attaching meaning to it in this head. So what do you do? What you do is you say, oh, water, are you thirsty? Sure, I'm gonna get your sippy cup and you start moving and looking at the child, getting the cup, filling it with water, putting the top on, handing back saying, here's your water. Now, if you have a nice big drink, you, you are doing something that we call language in action. We know that children develop their own speaking and understanding vocabularies in actions, something that they're engaged in. This one, the engagement is there for the kid. They really, he or she really wants, I guess I should say they, they <laughs> really want that water and that gets them engaged and they are listening to you and you are doing what we call TLC, talk, listening, and conversation. And that C could also stand for commenting. You're talking all the time it's a meaningful situation. And what you're doing really is responding to the meaning of that child's first utterance, whatever it is. We know that that meaning response is the critical point of language and action. And then talking about it, you, you talk, you explain, you elaborate, you comment. We, uh, it's all an important part of them learning the words and it has to be done over and over again. Uh, some people, when every time I'm on an airplane and somebody finds out that I work in vocabulary, they start telling me long stories about <laughs> how they repeat words over and over and over again. And they say, isn't it just repetition? Isn't it just repetition? And repetition is important. That's, a, that's an uh, important part of the process, encountering that word in some meaningful situation that changes from time to time. But if repetition was the only thing that counted, I tell them, then the kid's first word would be diaper. And we know that's really not true. So right. that's kind of in the nutshell what we mean about vocabulary naturally. Right. And when we do look at those first words, we can see that, um, you know, kids at that young age connection is really what they're all about. And mama and dada are right. often the first words. Um, right. And so they're, you know, seeking out that connection. And then, and then we can get you know, sometimes like Baba for like bottle or things like mm -hmm. that, which mm -hmm. is also, you know, I, I need food and I need that moment of connection while I'm eating. Cause a lot of times those, those moments where they are taking the bottle are also about connection. That's right. That's right. And, and they know you and mm -hmm. I assume you say your name or you, you mm -hmm. talk to them and say, I'm Martha or whatever. And you want them to know, start naming people around them, their brothers, their sisters, those objects that are familiar to them. So it's a pretty natural situation. And it's not, um, word knowledge is not like a light switch that you turn something on and they know everything about it. When kids are growing and adults too, because I keep learning new things about words, it's more like a dimmer switch. You learn a little bit you learn a little bit, it gets refined, it gets elaborated, and you learn more and more. And that's something important to keep in mind. You can't just learn a word and then you know it because it's it's going to be enriched all during your life. Right, right. Yeah. I Actually, yesterday, um, my little four-year-old turned to me and said, you're an orphan. <laughs> and, and I said, oh, huh. Uh, I, I'm not. I was like, my, my parents live in Tennessee. And he was like, but you don't live with them. So you're uh -huh. an orphan. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, you know, then we had this wonderful conversation about what orphan means. And, and then my family's a little bit complicated. So he was really trying to like wrap his head around, mm -hmm. like, what, what does your family look like? And I, and you don't live with them. And how is that? But you also, you don't have a a husband, like you don't live with anyone. So, and he just couldn't. And, and so we got there. I mean, we're still working on it. It is well, a different yeah, but that That's exactly, that's a terrific example of what I'm talking about. That kids get one idea. For example, every man is daddy. Right. At the beginning, which is pretty embarrassing when like the repairman walks in and the kid says, daddy, you know, that's not, right. not what you want to hear. But, um, and every woman is mommy. And then it's particularly mommy and particularly daddy, but they, they extend that word outwards until they find out, no, that's just a particular relationship that you have. 
So that was a good example that you had, Martha, and you did exactly the right thing, which is to try and do a simple, you know, explanations have to be simple. They can become more complex when the child is older. Right, right. And yeah, I I think that that's also such a, a good point about every, every woman is mama and every man is dada, uh, because nannies often, you know, the babies go through a phase where they either say mama or dada, depending on, um, the gender presentation of the, the person caring for them. And, um, and yeah. And I, I think that sometimes parents can take that as a really hurtful phase. Mm -hmm. And so I I think what you're saying can really help empower nannies to be like, oh, no, this is really developmentally, developmentally normal. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I feel that very same reason thing with my, uh, my youngest grandchild was born during the pandemic or right before the pandemic. So I saw her for one month and then I didn't see her for a year and a half. And she has a lovely care lady who also cared for my older grandson and actually Gladys, her, uh, uh, her caretaker Mm -hmm. is a grandma to her, you know, Mm -hmm. really. So I'm Nona Mm -hmm. Gladys is grandma Gladys and his other grandmother is Lala. We all have different names so that we couldn't be associated with them. We're all grandmas, but it was kind of hard. I felt it. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Because words, um, you know, we give them the meaning and, and so when, yeah, when little ones are, are still learning what right. the, what that relationship actually means. Right. Right. Yeah. Usually. And I, I know, I, I know lots of people, my daughter included for whom Dada was the first word. And that was really hard because <laughs> mom is doing most of the work at that point, but although they have a wonderful active father. So yeah, that's interesting. Um, you know, you asked me, what are some ways for very early children? You asked a lot and we could talk a little bit about reading to children. And I yes, hope you please. will invite Sharkab on to your show sometime to talk about it because she is the expert, my co-author. But reading to kids is really important. You had a really good question was, how often should we be reading to our kids? What if they just waddle away? So <laughs> I like that one very much because waddling means they're toddlers. Um, first of all, or, or what, what if they try to eat the book? All the kids are going to try to read the, eat the book. And right. that's why at small ages, I hope that you can encourage your families to have cloth books or those, those washable paper books or things. They're going to eat it. And that's good. They're getting acquainted because what they learn about the books first is not what's in them, but how they work. That right. you start at the top beginning and you turn the pages. And that's something that even little kids can do. But when they're waddling away... What I learned was with little kids, really, if you can start with nursery rhymes that have a sound music associated with them, mm-hmm. that's a way to get them engaged into language that has words that we are not speaking every day necessarily. Uh, twinkle, twinkle, little star is one of the first ones that people start with. And they'll be singing to the child. They'll have a book with that in it, a book of fairy tales, but the child waddles away. So you make sure you sing the song, you give them a star when they're two, they can do this. They wave the star as you sing and they start learning new language through song. I think that's really overlooked with a lot of little kids. I mean, Mm -hmm. I really think even dancing with kids, small kids and putting music on that has a few simple words is a really good way to go. Plus all the fairy tales and so forth are now on YouTube. Right. Often that can capture the child. And once they're captured by the story or the, or the sound or whatever, then sometimes you can get them into the book. So you just have to work with the waddlers in a more auditory way or a visual way with media that works too. Yeah. Yeah. And something that I have found to be helpful is even if it's, it's not, you know, the book that I'm reading, giving, handing them a book. Right. And then I read a different book. Yeah. And so that's a really good one. Yeah, they can interact with a book and they're like, I'm doing what this big person is doing. That's true. And you know, that you really uh, mentioned something that's very important. Seeing adults reading is very important, not only reading to you, but just reading by themselves because it piques their interest in what you're doing. I had one little uh, 
kid who was watched her father reading and he told me the story and he, and he was reading and taking notes on the side. He was in law school or something like that. And she came up to him, she was four. She says, dad, are those words you're reading? And he said, yes. <laughs> and then she said, and dad, are those words you're writing? And he said, yes. And she says, okay, I got it. And then she walked away. <laughs> That's one of the favorite stories because kids don't exactly know what's going on. But right. um, there are ways that the tough part is that parents and others who work with children hear this, hear the phrase, read to the kids. Mm-hmm. And that that can be daunting, especially if the parents are not solid in their own reading or language or whatever. In, in our book, there's a whole chapter on reading to kids, which is really brilliant. It's so brilliant. I can't really summarize it for you today. I'm going to suggest you have Char come back and talk to you. But there are ways. And also, that- I'm going to suggest that folks buy the book. Oh, okay. That's good yes, it's in the book. But to hear her talk about it, this is a woman who is really focused on reading to children for 40 years of her work. And she is a grandma of numbers. I get the number wrong all the time. It's at least nine grandkids and has wow, lots of yeah. kids of her own. And there are lots of different techniques that help you. But obvious ones are simply like pointing to the pictures to help the pictures elaborate what you're saying. Um, that identifies certain words and having very simple books for little kids as well. You know, the book of colors, there's just in our book, we have lots of references and resources. And I know Connie came to talk to you, Connie Obrachta about book joy. There's lots of wonderful books that can help with simple words and concepts. Also Scholastic has a a first set of flashcards. You were going to ask me about flashcards, which Mm -hmm. I can talk about later, but it has a lot of lovely picture cards for the first words that kids usually see, like mommy and daddy and so forth. And that's a nice little deck to buy. But I encourage uh, nannies and caretakers to get some manila envelopes that are the small size, like five by seven or something like that, Mm -hmm. and start shoving pictures in there of things that are common, like different kinds of balls, um, different kinds of stuffies. And in fact, some of the uh, uh, young care workers I work with take pictures, they take pictures of their bear or Mm. or their lovey, whatever it is, and take pictures of their ball and put it in. And um, these also are a visible sign of the progress of the kids being exposed to different words. You were asking me how, you know, how do you, how can you show parents the results of what you're doing? Well, you can show them the collection of words that you're working on with the kids that you use a lot, water, juice, lovey, um, pass, passy, whatever you call it. And those are words that kids are starting to learn and you make a collection. We've learned with kids that we work with who struggle making a collections of words that they know really gives them a, a, a sense of empowerment. That won't happen with these little kids, but it will help you communicate with the parents that, of what you're doing. Right, right. Yeah, I've worked uh, with so many three-year-olds in particular who are in that phase of they they know the word or they they can't quite think of it and that that phase of being really frustrated because their ability is not quite matching their cognitive level yet um, mm-hmm. their like physical ability to make the sounds or their mm-hmm. um, vocabulary just isn't quite they're like I I'm trying to tell you about this but yeah. I can't um, quite yet and the patience during that phase that it requires because it 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 can feel for me it has felt um, frustrating because I know that they want or need something um, and especially when I'm I'm newly working with a three year old um, mm-hmm. and I don't quite know their sounds yet. It's mm-hmm. frustrating for both of us. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you could also, that's, those are great observations. All oh, um, You can also make a word chart for the kids mm-hmm. of things that they know. And I would always put the picture. And if you take photographs, they're, you know, it's their ball that's more important. And I put the word there, even if, when they're not ready for words, right. because uh, you're going to use those later and they get to see they start seeing print. Kids have to see print. And we'll talk about making lists in a a minute, maybe. Um, And then if they're 
searching for a word, sometimes the hardest words are actions, of course, you know, mm -hmm. but you can find good little pictures of somebody wiggling or somebody scrambling or running or whatever and put them up. So wall charts can be nice too. And if you have a lot of kids, you can also make them in a little book and just tear it, take that book home with you if you don't want to leave it, you know? So right. there's right. many ways making, making books with kids is a mm. wonderful way to get them interested in both books and reading. Uh, you can make a book of their toys. You can make a book of their stuffies. You can make a book of their favorite things to eat. You can make a book of pictures of them and their family. So bookmaking is another wonderful thing that you can do and it takes time and it's fun and it becomes more elaborate as the kids get older, so. Right, right. I know um, a method of helping kids uh, remember their loved ones during COVID oh, um, yeah. was to make books of, of loved ones that they, you know, would be probably normally seeing quite often, um, but couldn't see in, in person. And so, you know, you have the, the digital space, the Zooms, the FaceTimes and things like that to help them interact with those folks, but then also to have a book of all of them. Um, I, th I, I've, observed that being really helpful. And that's also a visible sign to parents of what you're doing. You were talking about how that how you can let the family know what you're doing or see results. That's the kind of thing that you want to have around you. That's a great idea. One of my favorite pictures from the pandemic is a picture of my, oh God, she was six months old, uh, granddaughter lying on her tummy facing a iPad with my picture on it coming up and we're talking, you know, that picture just reminds me of all the stuff we did during the pandemic earlier stages to be connected and keep connected. Um, when you ask your question, how can we incorporate vocabulary into our nanny days? What kind of, what were you asking exactly? Yeah, so I, I was curious about just throughout the day, you know, like, especially if you are nannying for an infant or a, a somewhat pre-verbal toddler, <laughs> I know for me, when I'm just with that age, you know, right now I'm working with older kids too. So we're talking a lot, mm -hmm. um, the older kids and I, and then, you know, I also talk with the little one, but it sometimes feels like when you're just with the little one. It's like, well, am I just uh, just talking out loud to myself? You know, like how do I <laughs> naturally come across vocabulary words to help foster that? Because um, sometimes it, it does feel like we're just, you know, talking into the void, which I absolutely know we are not. <laughs> well, you know, one, one thing to think of is comment, elaborate, comment, elaborate. Those are the two things that we talk about in our book. The first thing is the commenting. The first, oh, you want water, like in our water example that we used. And then you elaborate and you keep elaborating and you keep elaborating. And the things that you should be commenting and elaborating on are the things that they have around them and that they see or the actions that you are doing with them. So you're doing the right thing. I think just keep talking. Uh, we found that there's an interesting study of children's learning of vocabulary. Maybe you encountered this in some of your studies as well, but um, that kids in lucky homes here, well, they know by age three 50% more than kids who come from unlucky homes. Mm. And the follow-up on that to classify lucky and unlucky was how much the kids were talked to. Then in some mm. homes, they're not hearing much language. And in some homes, they're maybe with someone who is not speaking the same language that they understand. So it's kind of difficult. We've seen kids in our clinic who are quite um, economically uh, lucky Mm -hmm. but they spend a lot of their time with someone who's quiet with them. And mm -hmm. so we know that talking to kids really pays off. So it may, you may feel like an idiot, but just keep talking and, it, and you're not talking to yourself that that is starting to pile up. It's really important. Comment and then elaborate on your comment a little bit, comment and elaborate. So it's always tied to something concrete for them. So right. you've, you've got the right intuition. No, you're not being silly. That's the really <laughs> exactly the right thing to be doing. Yeah. Can you give a, a, more concrete example of elaborating. Sure. What that in, looks her book, like. in her book, I will tell you that the, the meaty chapter mm -hmm. for parents, grandparents, and caretakers is the one on um, 
opportunities for learning, okay? Mm -hmm. And in our opportunities for learning, let me find the exact page because I'm looking here. Yeah. We give, first of all, I, first I'll tell you how each one is organized. We have eight of them. Things that you can do at home, things you do at home, things you can do while shopping, things you can do at mealtime, things that you can do in indoor adventures like making food, thing that you can do in outside adventures as simple as taking a walk, things you can do in museums or special events. You go out to see something that's happening like the farmer's market, things you can do at celebrations, things you can do with games and media. And each one of these, we go through one, two, three, four, five, six state. We, there's six things that can help you. The first is a description of the specific context we're talking about. Let's take shopping for groceries, okay? Mm -hmm. The second is language and action. Some specific suggestions of way to use language and action. Now I'll go back to that in a minute and read it to you. We have a follow-up for parents or caretakers and a, a, a follow-up for teachers as well. We have resources, a list of books, games, medias as well, and common vocabulary lists that can be really helpful. So let me go to, let me find shopping, okay? Yeah. Language and action. Okay, we say, you know, can start at home. One of the things you can do with an older kid, anybody who's, this is a kid who's two or older, is to make a list and see, you know, when you said, when I talked about seeing people who read, you wanna see people who write as well. So I always would show my kid a list that I was making. As kids get older, you can do this and have them do it. As soon as they can hold a pencil, when they're making a list, you're making a list, they should be next to you scribbling, okay? They can mm. just scribble. And you will find pretty soon, kids start scribbling by making one line and then starting another line, starting another line, because isn't that what we do when we make a list? Right, yeah, right. Okay, and then during the shopping, you say, okay, here's, here's commenting. Oh, we need groceries for dinner. What shall we eat tonight? Now, which aisle has ice cream? Where do we keep the ice cream? Okay, that's just a general, you're talking about what you're doing. Then elaborating. Let's go down the vegetable aisle. Look at all these vegetables. They are so colorful. Here are the carrots. Do you see the broccoli? Can you, can you tell which is cabbage and which is lettuce? This is a slightly older kid, one that can sit up, right? In, right. The, in the cart. But all these, you keep talking, you have the general thing that you orient them, what grocery shopping is, and you, you start teaching them words like, uh, uh, let's go to the checkout. You know, they have to learn words like that. And those words are located, by the way, on a list at the end of the chapter, where we have quite a common vocabulary for grocery shopping. And then there are follow-up things you can do, like um, when you're taking stuff out of the bag, you ask, you start to make classifications. Can you find me the vegetables? Or can you find me the live things? Because they're not going to know vegetables from fruit at the beginning. Can right. you find me the cans? Can you find me the boxes? And then as kids get older, you can sort in more elaborate ways. And then there's lots of things you can do after, like picture sorting. There's some YouTube suggestions to watch uh, about um, at the grocery store. So all of these things are different ways you can use language. These can be very helpful to you because they're very common things. Um, Shopping is one of my favorite ones. Celebrations is another because you're going to have birthday parties mm -hmm. as well. And we give samples of language. And earlier in the book, we give quite long samples of language when we talk about TLC. So does that help? That does very much. Yes. And I, I think that that is so important uh, to have those examples of like ways that you can really incorporate vocabulary into your day because a lot of nannies um you know do go shopping mm -hmm. for their nanny families with the kids sometimes especially if you're working with those little ones um those littlest ones so yeah that's a that was a wonderful and you, and you take walks and you put right. on clothes in the home chapter is what you how you talk to a kid when they're getting dressed in the morning you know mm -hmm. uh, my daughter has outfit of the day which she, she puts on her Instagram account so we can see that helps her with the kids getting them to actually wear something that doesn't look grotesque, you know, right. sometimes, they, you know, I remember her, the very same mother wearing a little tutu for, I couldn't get off of her after forever. And so we tried to have different outfits every day. Um, that's a fun one as well. Yes. Um, and uh, what else is same? It's always think. so funny to me when they hit that stage or, or some kids actually, I've, I've worked with some children who do not care because I, I try to offer choice 
and mm-hmm. foster autonomy in my day. It's something mm-hmm. that's really important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, to give them as many opportunities for autonomy. And so I will often say, you know, here are two outfits. And then when they're old enough, I'll say, you know, let's look Mm -hmm. at the weather outside and you decide what you want to wear. And um, there are some kids that are like, I don't care. You pick, Mm -hmm. (laughs) they Mm -hmm. just don't care. And Mm -hmm. then some kids care very deeply about those other kids that are are hard to dress. And I found that I, I have this experience. I don't know if it's yours. I'd be interested that at three, Almost all the gr- little girls I know want to wear dresses. And at four, you cannot get them in a dress. You know, it's just, oh. I don't know what that is. It's just some sort of thing kicks in. They've had that dress and now they want pants. So yeah, watch. I, I have observed that. And what I have observed is uh, at three, they are also starting to play, like experience more of the playground. They uh-huh. can go to different areas. Um, they're a little bit less like I'm following right behind them on the playground. Uh-huh. And the first time the dress gets in the way of them being able to play on the playground, mm-hmm. that is often when they want to make that switch to pants. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. They're like, this stress is keeping me from playing in the way that I want to. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Or they'll wear a dress and they'll put their pants on underneath. That's sort of a transitional Mm -hmm. phrase. And also in cold weather, that's a good one. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, Hi, listeners. I hope you're really enjoying this episode. Just wanted to pop on and tell you about what's going on over at the Patreon. So if you join the Patreon, As a reminder, you will get ad-free episodes, access to a Patreon-only Facebook group, as well as bonus episodes. This month's bonus episode is all about neurodiverse nannies. And to, to talk about that, I brought on Reagan of Playful Acre. So if you would love to listen to that episode, hop on over to the Patreon. It's patreon.com slash chronicles of Nania. Pick your tier and you get lots of bonus content over there. We also have an episode about true crime and nannies and an episode where um, I talk about set boundaries, find peace with the boundary queen, the modern nanny, Sarah. So check it out. I would love to have y'all over on the Patreon um, to listen to those ad-free episodes and all of the bonus episodes. Enjoy the rest of the show. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So I'm, I'm also curious about um, like flashcards. You know, you mentioned like putting text up in the house, but, mm-hmm. um, but also, you know, we hear <laughs> as nannies, I find that, um, like flashcards or like more like academic, let's sit down mm-hmm. and work on this mm-hmm. for, mm-hmm. you know, 30 minutes um, is sometimes pushed on us <laughs> mm-hmm. to do with the kids, you know? Um, and I, I just would love to hear your thoughts on like ways that that can be effective um, or if it can't be effective, how we can help communicate to the parents, things like that. You know, I think I think flashcards can be useful for games. 
Mm-hmm. And, and if you have a game that a kid likes that you can do with flashcards, that's a good one. Um, my daughter, uh, I got this one from her, Jessie Orbea. She's a, a, re- a literacy coach in schools and, uh, and a mother of two. And she had this thing that every day be- after dinner, before dessert, they would do a, what they call dessert quiz. And this was, I remember they were, le- he, uh, my Leo, my grandson was learning his letters. And um, she would go through them real fast and give him a clue. The point was if you could, if you could get through your flashcards and you get dessert and he always got dessert because she'd always give him a clue on whatever it is. Like for example, when he got to W, that was a hard one. She'd put up the middle three fingers of her hand. That was their clue. And they go through real fast. Mm-hmm. And something like that can be fun. Like I'd say, oh, just showing a picture ball, you know, you, obviously that's not for a, a little toddler. That is for, uh, I'm talking about three and four year olds now. This is when this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. For little kids, sometimes, um, if you have flashcards that have items on them that they have to identify and give you the word for, you could do memory, which is to put out four cards, two match and two match, and they have to try and see if they can turn them over and, and, and take the next one. Uh, the thing with little kids is always a fewer number of whatever you're using and not too many things. And if you feel you're pushing or the kid looks upset, don't do that thing. So. Mm. Uh, it can be, I mean, you can do things with them that are fun memories, a, a common one. Um, sorting is another one. As they get older, they can sort things by the initial consonant sounds. That's ones that teachers use as young as four, three or four. Um, and it's always used in kindergarten and first grade if they don't know their sounds and letters yet. Um, so there's many things. We have several ideas for flashcards in our little chapter about flashcards. I would say if your parents are insistent then you try and find a, a, a very fun way to do whatever it is that you can do and always not too many cards, make it easy. And they should always be able to do it. You know, you set right. it up so they can do it. Right. So give them that, that sense of success. Mm-hmm. Before you give them a clue. Yeah. 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 And if, you know, for example, I would say if you have cards that are objects for little kids and you have the objects nearby and they can't see it on the card, you hold them up the object and see that's mm-hmm. the important thing. So, Right. Right. That makes so much sense. And mm-hmm. I think that transitions nicely into how, how can we make vocabulary fun? You know, we know that kids learn through play. Mm-hmm. Um, how can we, we help play? And I, I love your idea about gamifying basically mm-hmm. the, mm-hmm. the, the flashcards. Are there mm-hmm. other ways to make it fun? Oh, sure. Like one thing that that is uh, around home, well, one thing that we have kids do sometimes is picture sorts of the various rooms, you know, um, I'm trying to find that in here, um, or picture sort with a grid. I was really learning how to organize and sort things according to categories is one of the basic things of vocabulary learning. And we start with like having kitchen, bedroom, and bathroom. You know, we have a picture of that. What are some things that you see in a kitchen? And we have pictures maybe of a blender, a toaster, a stove, okay? Bedroom, what are some things you see in a bedroom? You see a bed, you see a light, maybe you see a dresser. What are some things you see in the bathroom? You see the toilet, you see the tub, you see the sink. So picture sorting with the child where you are identifying the objects and making sure they know what they're talking about um, Mm. is, is one thing you can do with kids that are maybe three to five. Those sortings is good with three to five. You can sort by big, little, and big, medium, and small. A big, tiny, big, big, middle, and tiny, or whatever mm-hmm. the words would be. You know, what's big? Well, that's obviously a bathtub is big. What's medium? Well, maybe a lamp is medium. And what's small? Well, a toothbrush is small. So you can do the same things. What's something big in here, this room? What's something? And then there's ice, you know, the I spy game with mm-hmm. colors. I see something that's green. That's a great game for kids, or you see, I spy something that's moving and you can change the categories, helping kids classify by categories, making those categorical categorical connections is how we just don't have a file cabinet of words, but we organize our, our mental file cabinets. So that's a good thing to do. Yeah, that is. There's also lots of commercial games that are really fun. Mm. Um, there's a, uh, a uh oh gosh let's see there's a, a game you know what hangman is right for the kids right. starting to learn is there's a very primary or pre-primary kindergarten up to kindergarten four or five year old game called hangman that has a person 
that's a magnet magnetized. This is on Amazon somewhere. Mm -hmm. And you um, take away the body parts as you miss and they have uh, cards with three letter words and a picture. So they know the word is cat because it's there. They don't have to really understand the letters yet. And um, it's, it's just a fun game. There's another word sorting game that is uh, where you put little blocks to build words as kids get older. They start again with three letter words and four letter words. So there's many games and we have a lot of those resourced as well as some games that are on media mm. for kids that can be useful too. I mean, media is going to be, can be your friend for, for education and for nannying too, I'm sure when you have several kids to deal with. So. Right. Right. And I, I have found uh, that following their curiosity mm-hmm. is almost always my best bet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if they're, if they're really interested, I, I've given this example on the podcast before, but I had this one little girl we, wa- we saw a, a squirrel fall out of a tree and mm-hmm. she really like that stuck with her. She was like, that mm-hmm. squirrel fell down. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then we studied about squirrels, you know, she, mm-hmm. she really got curious about squirrels for a, a couple of weeks there. And <laughs> I learned so much about squirrels. Yes. And, and certain, certain kids get hooked on certain topics and also certain authors Mm-hmm. that have certain kinds of picture books and uh, single word books and small number of word books. So trying to watch for that exactly right. What we, if you think back to our first thing that we started with, you know, what was the kid engaged with? Because engagement is a, our key things are, one of our key issues is engagement. He, right. he or she was inv- engaged with water. And if they're engaged with squirrels or whatever, we also know kids that like to make collections of things. Mm-hmm. And collections, picture collections are things that you can do as well as object collections. And you can start grouping their collections, you know, which of these are farm animals, which of these are pet animals, whatever makes sense for the age that you're in. Yeah, if they're interested, that is always the best way, which is why the action has to accompany the language. Right, right. And so you mentioned, you know, before when we were talking about flashcards, if they seem frustrated or upset to stop. Um, what are some signals that we're, we're pushing too hard or, or that, um, well, the kid, the kid waddles away, as you said, you know, yeah. Uh, the kid looks distressed. The kid says, I don't want to do this, you know, and I would like dessert quiz was really fast. Mm -hmm. If it was three minutes, it wasn't any longer than that. I don't think, you know, and there was always the, the, at the end, a payoff or, you know, a sticker or saying, say, good job. You did a good job. Um, But it it has to be something playful. And I think you can recognize distress. And sometimes the older kids will tell you, and they will certainly tell you by going away, by looking, if they're looking, um, you know, they're scrunching up their face and they're looking pressured. You don't want to ever do that. Same thing with reading. Little readings are, are little kids can't sit still for a long. Uh, well, some can. Right. And if, if they can, that's great. But some can't and some won't sit still and sit in your lap at all to hear you. So then that's where you should do your your things by singing or orally. As right. Well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I often will put on kid friendly podcasts, too, just in the uh-huh. background, because uh-huh. um, I like <laughs> I I like having something on. It helps my brain. Um, whether that's, you know, some, we certainly do music. We make playlists all the time, but, Uh um, sometimes, you know, I'll just throw on a a wow in the world or, or something like that while we're building with Legos or, or whatever we're doing. And, um, Mm -hmm. I, I find that that's enjoyable for me. And it seems I, you know, the kids seem to really like it, or if they don't, they certainly let me know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then we, and then we make a shift. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, it's the same thing that you'll notice in any other kind of activity that you do. You really don't, I mean, you are, it's like, we don't expect parents to be teachers like teachers are teachers and right. we don't expect nannies to be like teachers either. And, but you really should, you're so clever to realize that everything you're doing really has a big effect on that child. And one of those things you can do is to introduce them to the world of words and get them excited about words and, you know, wanting to know if those are words you're reading and words you're writing. So it's a a good thing that you're interested in. 
Yeah. Yeah. And then the flip side of that, how do we know if we're, we're not um, doing enough to help build vocabulary? I wouldn't worry about that. As long as you're, <laughs> Great. That was my, that was what I thought. As long as you're talking and you're, you're, Every time you can label something, you label it, you know, oh, let's get the ball. What a nice ball this is. And then you ask kids, you can play the game. Can you find, can you find me the ball? Can you find me your stuffy? Can you find me the spoon? You know, you can put things down in the pile and say, and that's good because it's a game. Right. And then you say, yay, you found them all. You know, you make it so they can find it all. You give them a clue. Yeah. Um, I didn't ask this in the questions that I sent you, but I'm, I'm curious uh, if you have thoughts on it. Um, sign language for, for babies. What are, what do you have thoughts on that? You know, I, I actually have a personal experience with that. And mm-hmm. I think that um, for the child that I observed, it was, it, it kept them from verbalizing. Mm-hmm. So uh, I mean, maybe total communication where they're talking as well. I have no idea. I really, I'm not an expert on that. All I know is for this child, I'm sure. And it's when they stopped having her sign for all her things. Mm-hmm. They said, well, you know, say this to me. What's your words? Use your words. Use your words that that child started to talk. And it may have been, you know, kids start talking at very different stages and they all seem to learn. And that's right. it's interesting, our hardwiring for that. But I really felt that she was maybe, um, uh, delayed in that aspect because she was learning to sign. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that it could be like being bilingual where they found that kids that are learning two languages at once are very much slower at Mm -hmm. both languages and sometimes confused, but then they catch up if they have good instruction. So I don't know, you know, it's jury is out. It may depend on the kid, but I think after what I observed, I wouldn't try and confuse the kid. I'd want them to learn language first. Yeah. Yeah. I've had, um, success with it. Um, but then I, I do understand what you're saying. Um, I was working with one child who, um, was she, her dad was German. And so she was, you know, learning, uh, German and English. And then we were also doing some sign language. Um, and it, it did take a little bit longer but then once she, when she started using language, it really did explode. Yeah. yeah. Um, Same so. with the kid I observed. So maybe it didn't make any difference. And she knows a few signs. And I think it like being bilingual in the, in the end product, it works out. I have found kids that learning to read is a, a complicated thing. And mm-hmm. I think they should learn. I don't know. I mean, I've watched two-way immersion too, so I'm really not sure. I think it really depends on the kids. Different kids react in different ways. So I don't know that we know the answer to that question. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, thank you for, <laughs> for taking that, that in-the-moment question. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I think that... Um, Oh, oh, one more question. So how do you, how do you know if a child really knows the meaning of, of a word or is just uh, more parroting it? Okay. Just remember that knowing the meaning of a word, I mean, so many words have more than one meaning True. that they can know all meaning, but not know all the meanings or not know the weight of that meaning or the connotation or the denotation. So that's something that really, uh, is important. I have, you told me to have a little story. My last story is something about that. Okay. Um, wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Um, but mostly it's the action. If, if they mm. can't, if they're not yet verbalizing, if they can, if you can say an object and they get that object, they know the word. There are four levels of vocabulary receptive or two levels receptive and expressive, you know, receptive is being able to listen and uh, expressive is being able to speak in writing. It's being able to, um, actually use the word in speech and then to write it in use it in a sensible way in something that you're putting together. So they can receive way before they can express. That's something that we know about all kids that receptive comes first. And, uh, and kids can have a word and not have any meaning associated with it. You know, Mm, that's, that's mm -hmm. always, that's the kids say the darndest things kind of stories as well. So, uh, (laughs) right. So some sort of action, um, 
it could be classifying and what you want to see, what we want to see later in schools when kids get older is how they connect words that they know. So can they make a connection? I mean, do they have a connection between mommy and daddy? Well, obviously you live with your family. That's the connection that your student was making. That mm -hmm. wasn't quite true, but mommies and daddies often live together. And now kids are greeted with so many different constellations of families. They're learning very different concepts of families than we learned when we were growing up. So that's uh, something. So it's their use that really tells you whether it's in writing, whether it's in speech, whether it's physically, Mm -hmm. There's a cute group, because oh, we're getting near Thanksgiving, there's something on Pinterest, somebody or teacher to teacher, she sells this little deck of cards that you can print out about Thanksgiving, and it's things to do after dinner, and you pick a card, and it's great with kids, and it says, wiggle like a turkey, and they wiggle <laughs> like a turkey, and it says, flap your wings like a turkey, and you, that kind of actions, that kind of stuff is really fun, and it proves to you that the kid knows something about words that are hard to visualize, so... Yeah. Yeah. And then I always feel like, um, a lot of my kiddos go through the phase where they've memorized a book. Uh -huh. Um, and so, you know, they sit down to read it and they say almost, you know, it's, it's mm -hmm. word perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, but if you gave them a, a different book, the no. same word they wouldn't know because it's not in that context. No. So. And that's, that's, a, that's a good thing. A certain amount of memory yeah. is really a good thing. The same way pictures are, are a good support. What you can start to do with an older kid or what you do when you're reading a book you've read 50 times before or whatever <laughs> is you, once they are learning, say their initial consonants, you can say, okay, can you pick out moon mm. in this book? Can you pick out the word moon? And that's hard because kids don't actually, even have the concept of spacing in words until they get started with finger pointing. So, right. yeah. Right. So finger pointing is something you can do and you can do that same thing with pictures. You mm -hmm. know, if you're reading it and the kid is not yet up to words, you can say, can you find the picture of the moon? And then the natural progression later when they do learn is learning the sound, looking for the first sound and finding that word. So right, you know, it's a transition. Um, my son himself to read by listening to books and just looking at the pages and listening to books and looking at the pages. And then uh, he had a tape recorder and we lived abroad. We had no TV or anything like that. And I had some taped books and he'd listen. He'd have quiet time. Thank God. In the <laughs> afternoon when I had totally tired and he'd be listening to his book and turning the pages. And he learned, I think it had a little ding when you're supposed to turn the pages. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Then one day I, and he followed, then he started talking with the book. He would talk and turn the pages. And then this is the natural way that really kids don't necessarily learn that way. I mean, a lot of kids do, but it, it doesn't work with kid, a different kind of kid. And then one day I heard him turning the pages and reading the book and I didn't hear the tape recorder because he had ran out of batteries and somehow he had taught himself and he could find the words. So for some kids that is, you know, one who's really attuned to books and reading that might happen, but it's a lot of more kids need real instruction. So. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, and then as kids uh, get older and they, they want to start writing. Um, yeah. I know you mentioned before, you know, you sit down to make the list and they, they scribble, scribble. next to you. <laughs> That's the first stage scribble list. Yeah. I mean, first pace is just scribbling. Then mm -hmm. on the list thing, when they start making a line beneath each one, like you do under your items, that's why I tell people, I know you use your phone for all your lists, but please sit down and make a written list with the kids. Then we had kids make picture lists, you know, they cut out, we're going to get broccoli, we're going to get mm -hmm. uh, popsicles, you know, and they make the picture list. And then we have them classify them by, you know, what they are. So all of those activities get forward. Then, then at a certain point, they can make their own lists. And then they start numbering them and making you a list. And uh, you can see that progression as kids get older, what they can do. Then they can organize their list into categories, into columns. So uh, then they can write about their list. So it's a real progression. It's the dimmer switch for writing as well as for learning words and for reading. Yeah. Yeah. And then we mentioned bookmaking, but mm -hmm. I just wanted to um, say a little uh hack that I have found. Um, so Target in their dollar section, um, several times a year, it's not always there, but when it is, I, I try to buy them up. They have these packs of like eight pre-made blank books. books. 
um, that are like square. So they don't, you know, they're, they're more like a, a book that a kid is, is reading mm-hmm. and less like a notebook, mm-hmm. um, which has so many pages that I feel like it can be daunting. These right, have like right. 20, maybe 30 pages. That's a lot of pages, even yeah. for the old kid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I often will get those and then, you know, as they're, they're showing interest in, uh, writing or, or even just drawing, you know, we'll, we'll get one of those notebooks and start making a book. And it can be about, sometimes it's about our summer adventures. So we like, you know, once a week, sit down and, and make a page about what we did, uh, that week for the summer or make a few pages or whatever. Um, but I also love hand making books with kids. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that really actually is so beneficial. There's a, actually, there's a lot of research on a, on a process called the language experience approach, which is just what you described, where the kids use their own experiences to make a book. And sometimes at the earliest stages, it's just a collection of pages about their toys or mm-hmm. their special interest animals or whatever. And you have one word on a page to start out. And then when they get older, you have a sentence on the page. And then it gets to the point where they can use their developmental spelling once they start learning some consonants and vowels when they're getting into kindergarten or before. So, uh, but I would say, great. It's really nice to have a, and you know, the camera making little pictures, mm-hmm. pictures of things from their life are wonderful things like you said you did with the people that are their family and the uh, it's a a sport them doing a sport or them doing an activity they swim they do gymnastics whatever uh, it's a great idea don't hesitate though to make just use construction paper and staples and then right. use tape to cover up the staples so nobody cuts a finger you know on the staple yes i'm also are, yeah, yeah i'm also a big fan of the whole punch and some string yeah, yeah, all those things as well. And if you want to have word cards at some point, mm-hmm. uh, you know what those little slip rings are? Those those mm-hmm. rings like you, uh, you you put keys on a key ring and it opens up. They're, they're ones they sell in stores. They're called slip rings. Just to have a punch hole in an index card with a picture on one side and a word on another or a picture and a word on the same side is a wonderful way to have a show of progress of the words that you're talking about for parents as well. You make a word collection. It's their word bank. So that's yeah. something you do too. Yeah. That, that is wonderful. And yeah, you can find like big packs of those at craft stores or, or yeah. online. Um, I, I have a bunch um, that I use for things like that. Or um, one of my nanny family uh, uses those slip rings for um, Lego instruction manuals. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, um, exactly. Exactly. To keep them all in one place. So yeah. Well, um, is there anything that you were really hoping we would touch on that we no, haven't man, yet? I think we uh, really uh, touched on a, a lot of stuff. I hope that I would just say that I have not expressed myself as well as these things are expressed in our book, Vocabulary Naturally Raising Word Wizards. So I hope it's in Kindle or in paper. Um, and I'm really I'm really pleased with this. This was really a pandemic project for me and Shar because we wanted to do something and we thought, well, what's been untouched? And we really have done a couple other books, one aimed towards high school and teachers and one aimed for elementary teachers, but we really hadn't done anything with parents or caretakers or nannies and uh, of preschoolers and younger kids. And uh, it's been really fun. I've really it's really wonderful putting down on paper things that you thought you knew, you know, <laughs> right? And, and that you have research to back up. And it's a real readable book as well. It I, I is. Did, yeah. You did ask me if I had a funny story. Is this the time for it? Yes. With the exception of, I would love if um, you could just let people know where they can find your book. Oh, sure. It's on Amazon. Wonderful. Um, vocabulary Naturally Raising Word Wizards. You have to put that whole thing in. Okay. You won't find it. Uh, I can send you a new URL if you need that, Martha. Yeah, and, we can um, put that down in the show notes. Yeah, and it is Kindle, which is colorful and has live links that you can use, or it is in paper, which is colorful on the outside, but black and white on the inside. So it depends on what you want, but it's a nice, handy little book to have, I think, as well. It makes also a very great baby shower gift, I found out. That's been um, a lot of the people that are getting it, so... And I really enjoyed being able to talk about it to nannies because you guys are so important. And um, 
I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you're interested in this topic. And you yeah. obviously are, because you're doing a lot. And I'm sure a lot of other people have things that they could contribute to you on this topic as well. Right. For sure. For sure. Um, wonderful. Well, then, yes, we end each episode with a cute, fun story. And um, Camille has brought one. Okay. Well, I've been emphasizing all along that kids learn something about a word and they, and they do what is called as overgeneralize it, or they don't exactly know what it means. And this was one, but uh, this kid was five. And his mother had just come back from a meeting of some organization that she belonged to. I don't even remember what it was. And he says, oh, mommy, you're home. How was your meeting? She says, fine. They elected me president. Hmm. And she, he said, they did. But what happened to Mr. Obama? <laughs> <laughs> and then you could tell the time that this happened. And she just roared. She said, you know, because he had the concept of president. That's a wonderful thing, you know. And uh, I, I just oh. love that story. She said, yeah, she had to explain Mr. Obama had a slightly larger responsibility than she did. So <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. And yeah, You're that's welcome. a great example. Oh, I really um, enjoyed talking with you, Martha. Thanks thank for inviting you. me. Yes, I've enjoyed talking with you so much. Um, thank you for taking time. And thank you all for listening. We'll see you in two weeks. The Chronicles of Nania is produced and hosted by Martha Tyler. Artwork by Noni Blastodon. Theme music by Brad Kemp. Find him at secondbedroomstudios.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Chronicles of Nania and on Twitter at Nania Podcast. To contact us, email chroniclesofnania at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. This show has been brought to you by Machine Culture. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.